Well, good morning. Really glad that you're here. First Sunday of fall. Anybody else blown away by that? It's like, wow, where did this year go? I'm thrilled uh, that we're into this season. I like it when it's a little cooler, maybe 80 degrees outside and bring them a jacket. I mean, that's just, that's just what I'm doing. Well, welcome to California Community Church. And whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online, I'm absolutely delighted that you're here. I'm grateful for your presence because our church cares for you, but that's not the most important message. The most important message is that you matter to God. And he's glad that you're here. And so very, very, very thankful. You're here in week three as we're figuring out together the convergence between the changes that we want in our life and the choices that we make in our life. How many of you know there's a connection? Like if you want a better life, you want to change your life, then you learn to make better choices. Choices and changes go together. Let's say it. Choices and changes They go together. And so we're learning that choices really are our superpower. Like, how many of you have ever had something happen in your life and it wasn't your choice? Like, it was imposed on you, it happened. You wouldn't have chosen it, but it happened. How many of you have had that experience, right? All of us have. Here's the cool thing. Even when we're in a circumstance that we didn't choose, we still have choices. There's never a time in your life you don't have choices. It may just be the choice of the attitude that you're going to have about the circumstance. You may not have choices that will change the circumstance, but you always have a choice that will change you. Do you agree with that? Like we get to choose how we feel about what happens in our life. Today I'm going to show you the most important spiritual quality. This is truly a spiritual quality that has the greatest potential not only to impact the trajectory of this fall, this winter, the rest of this year, this has the potential to impact your whole life. This quality is absolutely and completely the key to your spiritual strength. It's absolutely the key to your spiritual influence on other people. It's the key to your physical health. It's the key to your relational intimacy. It's the key to your financial freedom. This quality is the key to whether or not you accomplish the goals that you have in your life. How many of you want to know what this quality is? Yes? Yes, right? Well, I'm not going to tell you right away. First, I want to tell you what it's not. I want to tell you what it's not. The good news, this quality is not based upon our appearance. I'm personally glad about that. Anybody else glad that that's not what's the make or break deal in this? It's not based on your background. I'm actually glad about that too. It's not based on your education. It's not based on your current income. And I like this one. It's not even based on our IQ. And I like that one a lot as well. The quality that has the potential to impact your life for the rest of your life is consistency consistency. Turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to say it's all about consistency. It's all about consistency. Right? Consistency has more potential to impact your life than you can even imagine. Now, many of you are saying, well, then I'm in deep trouble because, Brad, I'm fundamentally an inconsistent person. Well, welcome to life. Welcome for sure to my life. 
I mean, inconsistent all over the place. You know, I'll go two or three days and I'm eating kale. And then I go two or three days and I'm eating donuts. I mean, who can feel me? You know, it's like, I mean, I just like consistency. It's a big thing. Exercise, same thing. I look at my exercise equipment every day. <laughs> Period. <laughs> I, just, I just look at it. We're inconsistent when it comes to reading our Bibles. It, we're inconsistent when it comes to our prayer time. Some of you might say, the only thing I'm really consistent at is my inconsistency, right? You find yourself like the rest of us with really good intentions. I know you do. But we struggle with the follow-through. I find very strange comfort in the fact that a guy who wrote a big chunk of our Christian New Testament also found himself battling with this issue of inconsistency. The Apostle Paul wrote this. I don't really understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Let me tell you why I like that verse. A couple of reasons. First of all, that God would choose a guy like that to write the Bible. You know what that teaches us? That if he can use Paul, he can use me. If he can use Paul, he can use you. Do you see that? Like if this is the truth about someone, in whose life God worked mightily, He can work mightily in your life. He's not looking for perfection. And He can work in the life of somebody just like that who battles inconsistency. Second thing I like is that this found its way to the Bible. In other words, God wanted us to know 2,000 years later, I got you. I understand you. You don't have to hide this from me. I already know this about you. This is part of the human condition. Moving inconsistently toward consistency. How many of you have seen the graph where it says, I thought my life would be like this, but instead it was like that? That's the truth about us. That's the human condition. And the Bible says, I got you. I know this. It's cool. And God says, and I can still do great things in your life. I can relate to that verse. I'm thankful. And like I said, strangely comforted that that verse is in the Bible. If you know that consistency matters, and I think you do know that, but you find yourself inconsistent a lot, and I think many of you do, if you've tried just willpower, to get yourself there, and it hasn't done it, that I've got good news. I think this message is going to help you a lot. Here's the goal for today. At the end of this, I want us to be able to say, with God's help, I'm going to be more consistent. With God's help, I'm going to be more consistent. Let's get ready to say it at the end by practicing it now. With God's help, I'm going to be more consistent. Let's say it again. With God's help, I'm going to be more consistent consistent, right? So let's get to work. Why does consistency matter? I mean, is this even important? Yes or no? Yeah, vitally important, vitally important. Listen, because successful people, and that's what we want to be, successful people do consistently what other people do, what? Just occasionally. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. But the most successful are more consistent. 
In just a second, we're going to say this together. I want you to be able to sear this into your brain. I want you to set this as an intention. I want you to get this, here's my favorite word, as a mindset that you have firmly rooted in your thinking. This opens your eyes to a lot. This explains a lot about what's happening in your life or what's not happening in your life, right? This explains a lot. I want us to say it together off the slide. Let's say it. Because successful people do what other people do occasionally. We know this is true. Watch any successful person. They have a set of morning rituals. They have a set of daily and weekly and monthly and even annual habits, and they hold to them tenaciously over and over and over again because it's not what we do occasionally that makes the difference. It's only what we do consistently that makes a difference. So what I want to do today is I want to show you some scripture about a guy who lived this way, and we're going to watch what happened in his life. You ready for this? If so, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. We're going to look at the Old Testament character of Daniel, who's one of the most consistent spiritual leaders of all time. I mean, this guy was ridiculous in his consistency. He was consistent morally. He was consistent relationally. He was consistent spiritually. As a leader, he was consistent. Give you a little background to his story. Really interesting. Somewhere around 605 B.C., Roughly 15 to 18 years after the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. You know, this mighty empire, the Babylonian Empire, comes down onto little Jerusalem. And what they did when they raided Jerusalem, they took away all the little boys back to Babylon. Two reasons. One, they wanted more men in their culture. Second, they didn't want any boys to grow up to be men who are mad at the Babylonians, who would then fight against them at some point down the road. And then from among these boys, typically, you know, 10, 12 years old, they would try to identify the best and the brightest so they could indoctrinate them so that they could then contribute to the Babylonian culture, some of them even rising to leadership. So they said to these little boys, we're going to feed you, we're going to teach you, we're going to uh, pour our values into you so that the best of you can maybe be some of the best of our citizens down the road. Now, among those little boys, Daniel stood out. Even the Babylonian king, his name was Darius, and Darius noticed the sharpness, noticed the intellect, noticed the consistency of this little boy Daniel, and he thought, that kid's going to be something. I want that kid to be something. His consistency was contagious. It was attractive, and even the king noticed it. Now, once the king said, I'm going to promote this little boy, I, I want him to grow into something remarkable in our culture. I want him to rise maybe even to become a leader. Guess what? The Babylonian little boys... And the Babylonian families said, we don't want this guy. We don't want him getting in our way. We don't want him getting in our kids' way. We don't want him taking a spot that we should occupy. So they decided to cancel Daniel. You need to understand, cancel culture has been around for a long time. 
writing people off spinal around for a long, long time. So the Bible tells us they went back in his life and they tried to dig up some dirt on Daniel. Maybe they went to a girlfriend, hey, you got any trash you can throw on this guy, any shade you can pass our way. They probably looked at all his old social media posts, anything, you know, that he tweeted years ago we can use against him. And very uh, remarkably, after this deep dive into his life, look what the Bible says. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. How crazy is that? That wouldn't be true of my life. And I've seen some of your social media posts, right? I'm going to buy you a Bible for Christmas is what I'm going to do. Kid was consistent. His life, though it seemed just kind of unremarkable, was remarkable because of the quality and the consistency of his behavior. What do we need to have happen in our life? to become more like a Daniel. What do we need to have happen in our life so that years from now, from this point forward, they say, well, we really couldn't find any dirt on that guy. Couldn't really find anything bad on that girl. Like they just lived a good, solid, consistent life. Well, now the Babylonians have a problem. We can't find anything bad. So very, like this is kind of cunning. We will use his good against him. And here was their plan. They went to the king with this idea. They said, King, listen, you're the goat. You're the greatest of all time. You're the man. They appealed to the king's ego. They said, matter of fact, you're a god on earth. And nobody should be praying to anybody but you. So King Darius, here's what we propose as your advisor. That for the next 30 days, everybody just pray to you. You're so the man. And anybody who doesn't pray to you should just be thrown into a pit of lions. Let them be just torn apart. How's that sound? I think King Darius might have been near a mirror at the time. I am the man. I am the greatest of all time. You're a pretty smart bunch of fellas. I think I'll follow your plan. And he decreed. Now, you need to know when a king decreed, it was irrevocable. And he decreed anybody who praised any other God besides me for the next 30 days is going to be thrown into the lion's den. Now, what you need to know, the reason the Babylonians hatched this plan is because they knew that Daniel consistently prayed three times a day to the one true God. And so all they did is just step back and watch. Here's what the Bible says. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down. Look at this next little phrase. As usual. Consistency. In his upstairs room, windows open toward Jerusalem because he was always hoping to go back home to Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day. Look at this next phrase. Look at the consistency. Just like he had always done. Giving thanks to his God. Daniel just kept doing what he did. Daniel just kept being Daniel. And because these other leaders were watching, 
They went to the king and they told him, there's a man in your kingdom who's praying to another god. And Darius said, well, throw him in the lion's den. They said, well, we will, and we actually want to, but you need to understand, it's Daniel. And the king was sad about that. But it was an irrevocable decree. And so he had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Now, you would think this would be a very short little story. A few minutes later, Daniel should be gone. But after a long period of time, this is what we read. When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. What we're told is that an angel of the Lord came and shut the mouths of the lions. You know what we don't see in this story in Daniel's life? Any fear. We don't see any bleeding ulcer at the prospect of being torn apart by lions. What's odd about this story is that Daniel seems okay with all of this. And it makes me wonder why. And if we look at his life, the answer is obvious. His faith wasn't built in the lion's den. If he had waited till then to build faith, he would have fallen, he would have been eaten. But his faith was built years before the lion's den in the consistent practice of prayer. The consistent seeking after God. The consistent wanting to be faithful to God. So when he had that faithful muscle built, it was easy to exercise faith in the lion's den. Does that make sense? That makes sense. How many of you had like a high school reunion? It's like, I got to lose 50 pounds in four days. You know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. There's not going to be major change in your life in that short period of time. It was over the long haul that Daniel had built this characteristic. What I want us to take on for the rest of our time this morning is how we can actually grow in consistency, how we can become consistent in our life. Now, we've got to race through this. We've got a lot to cover. You've got your note page in front of you, so stick with me here, okay? Here we go. First of all, I have to be clear on my reason. I have to be clear on my reason. Answer the question, why did Daniel pray consistently? wasn't to put on an outward show. You know, some people do that. Jesus talked about people like this. He said, you know, there's those people when they pray, they want everybody to watch them pray. They don't pray at home. They go out in the middle of the street and they pray. They hold up traffic and they pray. And Jesus said, and their prayers aren't short. They pray these long prayers because they want everybody to see them so they'll be perceived as spiritual. That wasn't Daniel. The Bible says, we read it just a minute ago, he had a place that he prayed. And it wasn't outside, it was in his house. And it wasn't on the main floor, it was upstairs. Probably in a back bedroom. Whichever window opened toward Jerusalem. All by himself, where nobody really was watching. That's where Daniel would go to pray. Because his reason wasn't to get attention. His reason is that he was in love with God. Daniel had a devotion to the Lord, and it was his why. It was his reason for finding his way to that upstairs bedroom three times a day to pray. See, we've got to be clear on our reason. 
It's not your desire that brings consistency. It's going to be your devotion. There's a big, big, big difference between desiring something and being devoted to that. Do you agree with that? Big difference between wanting it and being passionately in love with the idea of it. You might not have a why big enough to cement your consistency in whatever area of your life where you know you've been inconsistent. Like, why am I inconsistent? Because you don't have a big enough reason. You might not have a reason that's strong enough to hold you when the going gets tough. So instead of just a desire to change, you need devotion. You need a love for it. If you want to grow in consistency, you start with your reason. You want to be more consistent? Where do you want to grow? Someone might say, well, Brad, I want to grow in my relationship with God. Well, good. That's good. I want to have a better, a better marriage. That's good. That's good. I want financial freedom. I want to quit this bad habit. Those are all good desires. But as your chief coach and cheerleader, I would ask you, why? What's your reason? If you say, well, I want to be closer to God because that's just what church people do, right? I'd say, that's lame, brother. I'm not going to hold you. If you tell me you want to get closer to God because you are grateful that Jesus sacrificed himself on a cross for you and you want to do everything in your being to help future generations come to know his grace and goodness, I'd say you've nailed your reason. That reason will sustain you and it will drive consistency. See, the why drives devotion. It drives your love. Say, I want to have a better marriage. I'd say, why? Well, because I'm stuck anyway. I might as well try. No, no, no. That's not going to be good enough. That's not going to get you through. But if you say, Brad, I want to honor God with the vows I made before him. I want to show my children and grandchildren what a spiritual legacy of a strong marriage looks like. I'd say, you've got your reason. I want financial freedom. And I would ask why. So I can buy that purse. No, no, no. It's not going to be a strong enough reason to keep you working hard work to get there. See, we need to know the difference between just wanting it, that's desire, and actually passionately hungering for it, that's devotion. I'm not talking about willpower. Willpower runs out. We talked about this last weekend. Willpower, like a muscle, gets tired. I'm not talking about willpower. I'm talking about why power. When you have your reason, when you know your why, then when tough times hit your business and you've got to burn the midnight oil to get through, you've got to figure it out, then you find yourself not quitting. When your why is strong, when your back is against the wall, you come off the wall because you're going to see that obstacle as a strength builder, as an opportunity, and you're not going to quit. You have the right reason, you have the right devotion, you have the right why when your marriage is rocking. You're not going to quit. You're going to be motivated to learn. 
You're going to be motivated to change. You're going to be motivated to get on the other side of that healthier and closer than ever before. Listen, that only happens. It only happens when your reason is strong enough. So when the king says, don't you dare pray, don't you dare pray, you're still going to pray because of your devotion. Whenever you decide to get consistent in some area of your life, just pick the area fitness, finances, faith, you're going to have challenges. No area of commitment that's worth anything is challenge-free. Now, it may not be a king who's going to feed you to lions, but it could be family members that don't support your dream. It could be friends who become your critics. But whatever challenge comes, if you've got the right reason... The problems won't matter because when you know your reason, say it with me, you will find a way. You want to become more consistent? Be crystal clear, crystal clear on your reason. Here's the second part. Plan for inconsistency on the way to consistency. Here's probably my favorite point today. It's super counterintuitive. You actually have to plan to not be perfect at this. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that Daniel ever failed in praying three times a day. But what we tend to do is over-spiritualize people in the Bible. And you just have to know Daniel was just a man which means Daniel was not perfect, which means he didn't do anything perfectly, which means there were times he didn't pray three times a day. Had to be. Maybe Darius, the king, said, Daniel, I need you to work some overtime, and he didn't get in his evening prayer time. Or maybe, you know, uh, traffic was stacked up on his way home, and he didn't get there in time or something. Or some, you know, company came over unexpectedly. He didn't get to pray. We don't know. But you have to know that as a man... He probably failed from time to time, and he still became consistent at this. Let me tell you why so many of us quit before we become consistent at something. It's because we have an all-or-nothing mindset. It's because we think if I fail one time, I just throw the whole thing out because I'm a failure. I failed, so just forget it. And that's when we need to remember that being consistent isn't the same thing as being perfect. There's a big difference. A big difference. You have to learn to give yourself grace when you fail because you're going to be inconsistent on your way to consistency. Does this make sense to you? Four of you? Four more of you? That's good. I've got eight. I'll keep going. I'm like an auctioneer. I got eight. I need 12. Let's take our journey to healthy, clean eating. Everybody here knows the concept of a cheat day, right? Try to eat clean, healthy six days a week. Give yourself a little break one day a week. Here's the problem with a cheat day. We tend to be overachievers on our cheat day, <laughs> right? Like we don't just cheat a little bit. We cheat the whole way, man. We, we so cheat on cheat day that we feel so lousy. The day after cheat day, we feel like failures. We feel like we've wasted the whole week before. We feel like we've undone all the good that we've done. 
And so we just quit. Somebody introduced me to the concept of a cheat meal. And I actually like this one. That way, the meal before is on plan. And the meal after is on plan. And I never feel so badly that I've blown it so horribly that I feel like I need to quit and give up. You have to build into your plan for consistency the fact that you're human. And you have to be just aware. I'm not going to do this perfectly, but I am going to do it. I'm not going to do this perfectly, but I am going to do it. Say it with me. I'm not going to do this perfectly, but I am going to do it. Because you're going to miss a day. You're going to blow it on a meal. You're going to make mistakes. So you have to be mentally prepared that this is part of the journey. When you plan for it, you're not thrown by it. When you know it's just part of it, it doesn't break you. It doesn't discourage you enough to quit. You've accounted for your humanity. And you know that a momentary failure is actually a part of the process. Here's the problem for many of you. It's the illusion of perfection that keeps some of you from even starting down the road to change. The illusion of perfection. Well, I'll never be great at that, so I might as well not try. There's a a spiritual word for that. Stupid. That didn't make sense. Let's take this all the way down to following Jesus. There are people, maybe in this room, maybe online, who are not following Jesus because you've concluded, if I follow, I know I'm not going to do it perfectly, I'm going to start, and then what if I mess up? I'm going to say a cuss word. I'm going to give someone the finger, whatever it is. Some of you did that to people on the way to church today. I know that. I know that. You probably did it in the lobby. I don't know. I don't know. Here's my response to that. You are going to wobble. You are going to blow it. But don't. Let that stop you from starting. You just go into the relationship with Jesus knowing, I'm not going to do this right every time. I'm not going to do this perfectly every time. And Jesus knows that. That's why I like that verse earlier about the Apostle Paul. He's like, man, I, I struggle. And God says, great, I can use you. Great, I can work in your life. Great, we can have a relationship. See, that's who our God is. You want to follow Jesus, you can. And you don't have to do it perfectly. Just start. You'll be on your way. You'll get further ahead. And over time, through the inconsistency, you'll become consistent. Here's the great challenge for most people. Most people never start. Most people never start. They don't start the diet. They don't start the fitness journey. They don't start the Bible reading. They don't start the relationship with Jesus. They don't start the repair of their marriage. They don't start the repair with their kids. They don't start the new job. They don't start because they're so afraid of failure. Let me take the pressure off. You're going to fail. And it's really not a failure. 
It's a step of progress on your journey. It's the place you learn your lesson for the next time. It's the place your muscle gets stronger for the next time. Are you with me? I don't know about you. I think this is good stuff. I'm patting myself on the back. This is good stuff. When you do start, listen to me. When you start, you're going to have some wins. You're going to make some progress. You're going to learn a lot. And you're going to miss some days. And you're going to eat the wrong thing. And you're going to oversleep one day. And you're going to spend too much when you're trying to get out of debt one day. I mean, that's just the way it is. Let's say you make a commitment to read the Bible every day. And you've got a streak of, I don't know, 100 days. And you miss a day. You're going to quit? No. You know why? Because it's awesome to say, I've read the Bible 100 days out of 101. That's awesome. Instead of quitting, you build into the plan of consistency some inconsistency. Got it? Got it. All right. Don't confuse being consistent with being perfect. Let that sink in. All right? One more point, then we're done. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Daniel wasn't praying because it was a duty. He just loved his time with God. He just loved the daily experience of talking to his creator. He just loved the spiritual intimacy that he had with the creator of the universe. Here's what I know about him because I know his character. The daily miles of his journey of prayer brought him joy. He was just consistently living life in a way that honored God. But here's a mistake that so many of us make. We obsess about the end goal. I said, again, I got to do this right. I got to do this without any wobbles. I got to do that. No. Same thing, take it in your workplace. Like when I get the promotion, I'm going to love this job. When I lose the 20 pounds, I'm going to love my body. When I pay off my credit cards, I'm going to feel, you know, financially strong. I, like we, we only reward ourselves if we get there instead of enjoying the little wins along the way. Well, I didn't succeed. I didn't hit the goal. Sometimes your goal is so far out in the future and the road is more difficult than you imagined and the twists and the turns are a, a little more unsettling than you anticipated and, and, and you don't have joy in the journey because you still see the end goal way out there. And what you didn't notice is in that twist and turn, you met some remarkable people. And in that twist and turn, you had some delightful experiences. And in that twist and turn, you saw God provide for you. You see what I'm saying? Like if we're always, it's only the goal. That's the only time I'll be happy. That's the only time it's a win. That's the only time that I can enjoy. No, 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 no. Every bit of the journey has the potential for joy. If you want to be consistent, don't obsess just about the goal. Fall in love with the process. Fall in love with the process. The last couple of years, I've written two fiction novels, two nonfiction novels, 
a screenplay, two movie scripts, and 15 children's stories. I've published absolutely zero. (laughs) But guess what? I love to write. I love to write. Like every day, I just love the journey. Now, am I going to enjoy getting published? Oh, yeah. I see it. Right? But I don't need it before I experience joy. I'm learning to experience joy in the journey. Who's with me? Right? So here's what we're going to do. And this has been a theme all through these three messages in this series. We're going to pre-choose this. Today, we're going to say, with God's help, I am becoming consistent. Say it. With God's help, I'm becoming consistent. It's a choice. With God's help, whatever area it is for you in your life, wherever you need consistency, you choose with God's help. With God's help, I'm not going to drink so much alcohol. With God's help, I'm going to walk three days a week. With God's help, I'm going to put an extra $100 on my credit card debt. With God's help, I'm going to read the Bible every day. With God's help, I'm going to be consistent. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to bow your head. I want you to give everybody around you privacy, okay? You don't have to participate. Just don't intrude on anybody's space. So just bow your head, close your eyes, everybody get in your own space right now, all right? And here's a question. Where is God calling you to be more consistent? In what area of your life? Take just a moment. Be honest. God, where do you want me to be consistent? Where would I honor you more? Where could I be more faithful? Just say, show me, God. Show me. Maybe it's in your giving for the Lord's work. Maybe it's in your prayer time. Maybe it's in the kindness of your words. Maybe it's in a consistently better attitude. God, where do you want me to be more consistent? Let him speak to you. He will speak to you. He'll show you what matters to him. And then that begins to matter to you. And when those values are clear, your decisions are easy. So you make a choice today. With God's help, I'll become more consistent. With God's help, I'll become more consistent. This will not happen by accident. It's a choice you have to make. Before the lion's den, right? Starts with your reason. Know why you want to be more consistent in that area. Know you won't be perfect. Plan for inconsistencies. But also know along the road to consistency, you are going to discover a lot of joy. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for Daniel. An imperfect man who became a shining example for who we want to be more like. Let these these truths today grip our heart and live in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, Amen and Amen.